Hey dudes and dudettes, what is going on? Welcome to episode number 14 of the La Preston Guest Podcast. My guest today is Rachel Larrabee. Rachel is a personal trainer and a Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner. Rachel comes on the podcast to discuss BJJ and fitness with an emphasis on physical and mental health. I had a blast catching up with an old friend and hope you enjoyed the conversation as well. Thank you so much to everyone who listens and supports the La Preston Guest Podcast. And as always, a special thank you to the women and men of our United States military. Without your bravery, I would not be able to do what I love doing. I am forever in your debt. Great, great. I just uh, just left the gym for the second time today. Look at you go. I, I'm trying to, trying to. The, the second one is, I mean, it's not that I'm not doing anything. It's just a swim and then sauna session for the recovery. Oh, the second one is never going to be what the first trip to the gym is. Unless you do like yoga in the morning and then that's, those people are different. I, I'll tell you what, yoga is no joke. I, I, I thought it was going to kind of just be stretching and everything, but yoga has some there's some merit to it. I, I love it. What kind of yoga class did you go to? So it's just, um, it's like a slow vinyasa flow is what it's called. Or, and then occasionally some yin and yang. I have yet to do hot yoga. I want to try that. You should do hot yoga. I've done it. I've done it a few times. It is, it's an experience. That's what everyone tells me. And they kind of like, if they've done other variations of yoga, they kind of swear by hot yoga. Was that have you experienced different types of yoga classes outside of hot? I actually, I taught a beginner's yoga class the last gym I worked at. Um, so I've, I've got a pretty good experience with yoga. I've done like power yoga, which I thought I would like because, you know, I do more intense workouts. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I really thought that I would like that, but I did not. It was weird. You're just, you're moving through things so fast. Um, hot yoga, uh, I don't know how to describe it. It was, it's not like any other yoga. Do you know what temperature the studio, and I know everyone's going to be different, but do you know what temperature it was typically getting around for you? So there's two different kinds. There's like just hot yoga, which is like an American's, like a bastardized version of Bikram. And I did Bikram. I did like the authentic. And I think they said it was like 120 degrees in there. F The the moves are so basic and they're such easy moves, but like, you feel like you're going to die. Like you're just laying there, like, like you feel heavy. Oh, it's rough. Yeah. I, cause um, like in the sauna, I'll occasionally try and stretch out just a little bit. I end each workout in the morning with a 30 minute stretch. And I'll just try and get some extra stretching, nothing crazy in the sauna, but that's at 180. And after 30 seconds of stretching in there, I'm just like, F this, screw all I mean, of it. It definitely gets you looser. I'll give it that for sure. You move different when you're real warm like that, but like, oh my God, holding, like I'm trying to remember what some of the harder moves were that I had to like give up on. We didn't do very advanced stuff. It was all a lot of very relaxed because you'll you'll die. You'll pass out if you're trying to do anything crazy. Um, well, I can't remember the name of the move. Yeah. You, you're like you... on your stomach, but your hands are like this and you're like pushing up. I had to like sit down. Yeah, it, it's it's not. Uh, yeah. Ooh, that's almost it seems like it's almost like a reverse cobra or something. Kind of. You're not like lifting your back off. You're just kind of hovering. I can't remember the name of it, but it sucks because it's just a lot of you're physically using muscles. You're exerting yourself. So it's just hot and hard. Yeah. People who think it's just stretching are sorely mistaken. My fourth or fifth yoga class I ever did, there was this figure skating couple that went in there and like the guy who's doing a lot of lifts and stuff there's a good bit of athleticism to that and he had to step out two or three times in the hour yoga class just because it was it was whooping him it's hard it's hard holding some of those positions is really hard 
Um, the yoga class I did, like I said, it was a beginner's class. I wanted to call it yoga for dummies, but my boss wouldn't let me. She's like, it's too unprofessional. Um, oh my gosh. Uh, uh, I mean, I get the it. The most basic, like, I think the most advanced thing we did was like, maybe like the fish pose with like a block on your back. Like that was as, yeah. as intense as it got. It was mostly just a stretching class. And I mean, my clientele was an older population, so they were just trying to move better. Yeah, I, I love it. And yoga was one of the things that kind of helped get me out of like a funky, darn, down, dark period that I was going through. I, I attribute it to just yoga, just working out and eating right and just kind of making a lifestyle change. And I told people when they asked what was most important, I said it was yoga and it was such a big gap between the other two. That's great. That's how it is for most people. You find an avenue of fitness that you love and yoga, lifting, running, whatever it is like that's it. It just gives you like a like it sounds so corny, but like a purpose <laughs> it yeah, gives yeah. You a thing to do and a goal. Yeah. And it's funny. I was uh, kind of mentioning you at work because my friend was asking me about um, some workout routines. And I was like, well, I've got a I've got a phenomenal guest coming on this week. So just stay. But I'm like. That I was like, the main thing I think you should focus on if you're trying to get back into is like whatever exercise gets you going to the gym or gets you working out consistently, do that first. You know, I don't, I don't care if it's running, jumping jacks, just do it. Yep. Whatever you like, that's what you're going to do. That's the, the weirdest thing when I first get new clients is there was like, oh, well, you do lifting, powerlifting, and I, that just doesn't interest me. I'm like, that's fine. That's why I have a whole degree in this. That's why it's not just a hobby. I know so many avenues and different things we can do. And even if you don't end up being my client, like hopefully you'll find out that you love running. I hate running, but if you love it, you love it. I hope you like it. Here, we'll give it a try. So that's, there are a few things I just wanted to point out in that statement. One, it's just so cool that you're so supportive that even if they aren't your client, you just want to get them into a better space. I, I, I love that first and foremost. And two, it's so cool that you've been able to tie in your degree to your job, which is also like a hobby and passion, which I think that's what almost everybody is striving for in life, I think. Pretty much. COVID messed up a lot of that for me, like not to be like negative. But I, I, know. I, I saw your post and I was hurting for you because you're you're for people who don't know you're in Buffalo, right? Yeah, Buffalo. And when everything closed down, like I, you know, without being any sort of political, I'm very happy with the way New York handled everything. Uh, They took it very serious. Things shut down and like, yeah, that sucks. And my industry is one of the things that took a big hit. But I mean, it is what it is. Keeping people safe was the priority. And, And we found ways you know, around it. And I trained people at the park and, and we did online stuff. I trained people out of my basement. Like we, we found our ways around it. Um, but it definitely took a big hit on like client base and my own funding for things. So I have a day job now, which I actually really like it, which is funny. Um, but I still, I do all the training and stuff in the evenings and I toss around going back to it all the time, but said I I actually genuinely like having a desk job and I never thought I would like it yeah well I I love seeing that smile gosh that warms my heart so much and I I'm cheering for you and everyone's happiness so if that's what makes you happy then hey keep me ain't no shame in that game at all you need to know that but any anytime you want to take that leap back and you might need help you, you come holler at your boy because I'm going to <laughs> because you're, you're trying to get people in a better physical and mental state. And I will, I will bet the house on that. It's a crazy thing to think that most people don't have that goal in the fitness industry. Um, a lot of people are in it. They love fitness. They're good looking and, and like, Hey, you want to look like me, pay me money and I'll make you look like that. And yeah. it's, it's getting into it. Like when I went to college for it, most of the people I'm in college with are the same as me because we're going for the, you know, kind of upper above and beyond. Um, But getting out into the workforce was definitely weird to see the people who I'm not crapping on anybody who took that route because college isn't for everybody. It's, you know, look at everything that's going on with student loans and blah, blah, blah. Uh, 
but people who kind of took the easy route maybe got certified in a not so upstanding way and they're just doing it to capitalize on people wanting to look better um, which looking better is great but that's not why you should get into fitness yeah yeah and that was for a while that was one of my goals and then I had to kind of reshift my mindset and I had to focus on just being the best Bobo Lopresti that I could be and that I feel if I you know am consistent with my diet and working out and consistency over a long period of time, not just for a week, but for a month, turning it into a lifestyle, I feel it's eventually gonna, just gonna happen. For sure. Uh, When I first started getting into working out, uh, aesthetics was my whole goal. I was like, I wanna look better. And then I started doing little things and I was like, huh, I feel better. And aesthetics has kind of like come out of it. Like, sure, I love looking good and I feel good about myself, but it's really way more, especially as I'm getting older. So old, I'm 26. Oh, oh, gross, gross. Turn 34 in a month. As I'm getting older, it really matters less and less to me. And I'm, I'm, finding a lot more joy in like feeling better, even, even my numbers for strength. It's not so much important to me anymore. It's just feeling better, moving better. Um, yeah. you know, fitness is weird. Everybody has their own goals, not dogging anybody who's out here to, for oh, aesthetics, no. um, no. but just myself. Yeah, a- absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, I've been following you on Instagram and just everything about your page and what you promote is just absolutely stunning. I love, I love it so much. And so I, that's part of the reason I started this podcast, Rachel, is I, I just graduated this past year. I finished up online at Purdue and I ended up finishing out as a communications major because I think more than anything, this world is going through a communications crisis. And I, I found that when I just sit down and talk with people, we could be at complete opposite ends of the spectrum on an issue. But when we just talk about it, I can see their point of view. They can see mine. And it's kind of like, huh, we're, we're maybe a little bit closer than we thought we were. And we're, I think we're a lot closer together as a species of human beings than we get portrayed as in the media. A lot of people's goals are all the same things, you know, love, happiness, and peace, but we're all looking at it from different places of, well, I think this will solve it. Well, I think this will solve it. Where well, you're stupid for thinking that. And it's it's not about being right or wrong. It's about just how are we going to get to that goal? And I there's there's a reason for arguments and, and disagreements. And it's important that we all feel different because, you know, there, there are different solutions to the same problem. But, uh, but I think you're absolutely right. Like, if you just sit down and really like talk about it and are just completely defensive the whole time, you will learn so much more (laughs) than just stick in the mud. This is where I stand. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Listen with the intent to like try and understand and see the other person's perspective. You know, there are just some people on both, both sides of the aisle that are just so dogmatic that you're probably not going to be able to change them. But I think that's, the minority and I think the majority of us like you said is we we all kind of basic I have the saying that I just recently coined that I think humans are so complex but so simple at the same time because I think it just boils down to really us kind of wanting to be loved and feel loved and have our loved ones taken care of you know for sure and it all gets convoluted in the complexity of the world and how our brains work and I always joke the monkey brain and then my human brain where like monkey brain, it's just happy, warm, fed, feel good. And then human brains like, yeah, but if you're too fed, then you're being a glut. Like it's that whole kind of concept. Um, And I think that's where if we all just break it down to that monkey brain of, of we're just trying to get by and live and be happy. And like you said, loved ones and just everybody can exist but then human brain is like, well, but, but now if they're existing, then how am I going to exist? And it gets it like, it's just all so convoluted, but. Yeah. It's crazy how it seems like in a world where we're at no shortage of, uh, and I'll caveat with that with us fortunate enough to be in the United States and probably living in first world countries, there's no shortage of like ways to be happy or materialistic things. And we seem to have the scarcity method and we have scarcity methods with 
or scarcity mentalities with stuff that it shouldn't be scarce by like love isn't like an iphone it's not like they're just it's going to run out someday and stop being produced you know it's an internal feeling and that's one thing i've loved about getting back into the gym and stuff is i'm losing my ego and i'm just having like more compassion and love for humanity and want to that, that's why I wanted to have you on. I was like, this girl is just constantly building people up. She cares about their physical and mental well-being. Aww. So I, I'm I'm trying to do whatever I can to broadcast good people. Oh well, thanks, Bobo. And I mean, it's it's so awesome that we know each other in such a weird, like a weird past of a way. Like I, know. I, I go, I'm going to be on this podcast. It's so neat. Oh, how do you know this guy? Well, this camp that I worked in years <laughs> ago. Yeah. So, and it, like, I remember from Jump Street, um, I was sitting, like our first conversation, I remember sitting next to you on the mail, the mail deck and like, we had a pretty, pretty good intimate conversation. I know you were going through a tough time because you were distanced from loved ones and stuff like that. And I just, I just wanted to sit there and listen to you and do whatever I can to just let you know, like, hey. I know you just got introduced to two, three hundred, seven hundred random people with campers and counselors. You got at least one guy in the corner. And God, I, I wish I could get you better people in the corner. That meant so much to me That because you're right. That was that was hard. It was looking back at it. It's like comically like really was it that hard. Um, but I just I was feeling just so alone. And I remember I very, very vividly remember sitting there just like crying <laughs> yeah yeah I, I i was gonna let you share that if you wanted to I, I, you know. oh 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 i was crying so hard and you were just so nice and like you said you just listened like you really cared and you wanted to listen and it really was a turning point for me of like feeling better and like okay people are nice and they do care that you're a human being here um and it did, it turned a lot of things around. And then I always knew I had a friendly face too. Like, all right, well, sweet, at lunch, you know, I'm going to see somebody who I know is going to be nice and I know he'll sit down and chat with me. And and it was it was just really nice to know that I had a friend. So just so you know, you you helped someone out in a very crappy time. Hey, pre- appreciate it. And um, yeah, I'm just, again, I just want to bring people together. And it was, um, I love being able to help people. And it's such a good selfish thing because the feeling I got, you know, after our conversations, I felt I was pretty confident you were going to be okay. And you were, you were gonna, you're gonna make it, you know, figure it out. Yeah, yeah. And I, I felt great because I was able to help people. And I, I, I love doing that. I want to, I want to do that because I'm, I'm not where I'm at with if, if I didn't have the support group and community, I didn't, I had well, that's actually, I've, you know, really strived to be that person that you were to me at camp. Um, what a perfect segue. It's almost like you're hosting something. Oh, look at excellent podcasting by Bobo. <laughs> uh, that, that was the role I really wanted to play as the counselor at the camp was I definitely hung out with the kids that were not, you know, the big kids around town. Like, you know, I gosh, it was years ago. I couldn't tell you their names, but everybody knew those kids. Yeah. I wanted to hang out with the kids that, you know, maybe were, had their nose in a book the whole time, or they weren't the star on the field or, you know, whatever it was. Um, and being a sailing instructor was awesome. So I got a lot of one-on-one time with kids that maybe weren't in my cabin. Uh, so I got to really know a lot of the cool, the cool kids and, and be a friendly face for them. So, you know, as you were to me, oh, I'm going to see him at lunch or I'll see him at snack time. And it'll be nice. I'll see a smiling face. They knew I was always going to be there at sailing to be like, hey, you want to come on my boat? Yeah. Um, and that was that was big for me, too, was obviously we're all there for the kids. Yeah. But uh, that was you inspired me to definitely be more of that person. Hey, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy I could help you out. And um, if anything, it looks like you're paying it forward. I have this idea one day that I want to start a foundation um, or some type of, yeah, I'll call a foundation for lack of a better word. And the name I want to go with, if it's not taken and nobody take it, I'll see you. Uh, it's called, it's called One Domino. And the whole point is, is we've got 8 billion people in the world and I'm just trying to get that one in front of me to fall in, in a good way and like really change her life, give them meaning, purpose, just help get them in the right direction. And then hopefully they can do the same 
you know, and then just keep that domino going. I just want that's what it is like that act of kindness, that random act of kindness. You see that all over the internet. Well, that guy, you know, paid for her coffee. So then when she walked by, you know, the, the guy who dropped his groceries, she helped him pick it up. And it's just that onward, onward. Like I am a firm believer, you know, the, the goodness that you put in the world is like, it's going to go on to the next person. Like you said, the domino, it's a domino effect. Yeah. So, um, I uh, I don't know if you remember Joe Wolf at all. Yeah, I actually I've yeah. kept in pretty decent contact with him. You know, we we reply to each other's stories and. Yeah, yeah. Well, he he's actually going to be my guest tomorrow. So. Ooh, look awesome. at you getting all the camp people back yeah. together. And then uh, Blake was a guest last week. Yeah, I'm just reaching out to as many people because we had so many great like coworkers and staff. So, and I just I have no shortage of people I love I, I probably need to start being a jerk so I can <laughs> take back some of my show, social life I'm, I'm too busy but um he would always tell me when we were walking to our leadership meetings when we happened to live together one time he would always say I'm a firm believer in energy attracting energy and I never really spent too much time thinking about that statement until afterwards when I read about the law of attraction and I, I think what you just said I, I give this example. If I'm if we're walking down the street and we're walking towards each other and we're about to like cross, if I'm smiling and I've got this stupid, goofy, infectious smile and I look at you, it's almost hard for you to not smile back, even if you're having a bad day, you know? Even if just to be polite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you almost feel like there's going to be some times where people don't smile back or, you know, I don't know what they're going through. But yeah, like you just said, I think the energy and stuff you're putting out in the world is going to come back to you like a boomerang. So you've got to choose very carefully what type of energy you're putting out. And sometimes it, it's hard to want to give that good energy. Like you might be having a crappy day when you walk by that person, but you're still going to, you know, smile. And like I said, even if it's just for the sake of politeness, give them the smile. Hey, hi, how are you? Whatever it is. I live in Buffalo. So we always, Hey, hi, how are you? That's always all the time. Um, and it's just, it's worth it. Why not? Worst yeah. scenario, they, they don't say anything back and you go, eh. Yeah, absolutely. You keep it moving. And, uh, it seems like you do a pretty good job of, uh, not jumping to conclusions or making assumptions about what other people are going through, which I think is a smart, smart decision on your part. Well, for sure. And even if someone's having a dark, nasty day, there's not a reason why you couldn't have been that bright smile. That was that was the nice thing that happened today. That guy smiled at me or, you know, they just got some really bad news. Everything feels like it's crumbling down, you know, that kind of feeling. Well, there's a there's a person here smiling like there's, you know, there's other stuff going on. So maybe you didn't make them smile, but it's, it's, it's you're putting the positive energy out there, you know. It, instead of just being neutral or ignoring or keeping your head down, which there's times to keep, there's places to keep your head down when you're walking. But, sure. um, uh, like you said, it's just, just why not put the energy out there? Energy attracts energy. Absolutely. I, I love it. I love it. So how has, uh, how has training and everything been going for you? It's been a, a really unique time for it, actually. Um, I... So I picked up, I'll broadly call it MMA because that's probably easier for most laymen. Yeah, so I, I've seen that BJJ and I've been looking into gyms and hopefully in the next year or so, that's- Oh my God, call. dude, do it. Everybody should try it once, go to a class, go to an intro, just experience it. Even if you hate it and never want to do it again, just it's just a different, it's a whole different animal. Um, but I got into it about a year and a half ago, just kind of on a whim. Like I always thought it was cool. Like I, I watched like the big UFC cards and I was like, oh, that'll be cool. It'll be a new thing for me to try mm -hmm. being a relatively fit individual. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to get into the grappling side. So like mat work, BJJ at the gym that I go to, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And because uh, I never understood that part when I watched it. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I don't know what these guys are doing. Like, I don't know who's winning, <laughs> kind of. Um, yeah, yeah it, it's so confusing because you can be looking at somebody and think they're dominating. And next thing you see, they're, they're tapping out. Exactly, exactly. And that is the, the most of the time. So there's a lot of different kinds of grappling on the mat. Um, 
if you're watching people who are wrestlers, like Greco-Roman or like back in high school, you know, the guys with the big things on their ears and the... the... Yeah, I did, I did a year of wrestling in middle school. Right. That's a lot easier to tell who's winning. That's very much, if you're on top, you are winning. Yeah. It's just weird in that you can be on your back on the ground and you have advantage. Yeah. Like Char- Charles Oliveira is so good off his back that... Oh. He is one of the best. He's one of the best finishers in, in the UFC. And if people want to come for me about saying that, especially after he, he missed weight at a championship, whatever. He is one of the best grapplers on the ground. He's a black belt in jiu-jitsu, obviously. Um, but uh, it was just so confusing. So I was like, oh, I want to learn how to do this. And I never thought I would really get that into it. Um, but here I am, a year and a half later, uh, constantly trying to wash my rash guards and geese because I don't want to buy a new one because they're expensive. Oh man. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Oh crap. I totally lost my train of thought. Where were we going with this? Oh God. We just, Oh, and training. Yeah. Yeah. Training and and your, I started getting involved in this gym and uh, they actually needed someone to teach the strength and conditioning class for a while. And I was like, well, perfect. That's what I do. And at the time I was still training full time, um, so I picked up a Tuesday, Thursday class. I started teaching there. I did that for, I don't know, maybe six months. Um, and then they ended up hiring actually an ex UFC fighter, uh, Felipe Silva. Awesome. Totally was not hurt to be replaced by him. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> kind of like, it, it's no. an honor. It's an honor. Exactly. Um, so I don't teach, I'll, I'll fill in for classes here and there, um, or if they need someone to just stand in. Like I said, I have the training, I have the knowledge behind it, and I don't mind getting up in front of a group of people and being a goofball and getting them to move around. Um, but I started doing private sessions, so I'll, I still have clients over there, um, and I'm thinking about talking to the gym manager, maybe doing some more classes. I really want to do like a women's strength class. Because my biggest thing that I found in the classes I was teaching was some people didn't know the fundamentals. It's like, okay, we're going to do circuit training. We're going to do curls, box jumps, squats. Um, And people would really be having a hard time with the basic things. And it's a whole big class, so I don't really have time to individually teach people how to do stuff. So I would like to maybe do just a half an hour class. Uh, even if they're little seminars, go over just the basics, squatting, deadlifting, basic movements, half an hour, 10 people, everybody's going to hold a kettlebell, we're going to move our hips. Yep. <laughs> um, so that, that is a really interesting place that I'm at with training. So I'm kind of choosing my own adventure at this point. I'm not doing it to live. So I'm not, you know, um, advertising the crap out of myself you've probably seen my instagram is way more subdued than it used to be thank god that's so stressful bless you being in communications it's it's so tough because i'm not a super big fan of social media just because i feel there's so few people who know how to use it correctly and you're you're free to live your life how you want but i don't like this is where I get meaning and fulfillment is talking and cultivating relationships. And as great as it is to follow you on your page and awesome stuff like that, even if it's totally positive stuff, it's at a certain point, the fulfillment's going to run short. Whereas if we, if we keep having conversations and growing in our friendship and relationship, it's just going to be new adventures every day. You know, every time we get, it's only so much interaction. You're only getting so much out of what you're taking in and you can't give that much back. You can give a like and give a comment. And that's kind of the end of the discussion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, that was, I did not like, uh, I was not by any means an influencer, but I did not like that hustle of, hitting quotas of okay you got to post on my story this is the high time people interact more I hated that it was stressful and yeah and I'm having to just like add friends so I can you know get more exposure for my uh, stand-up comedy sets and stuff like that and get more views for my podcast because I'm not really concerned with the numbers, but I know I want to affect change on a large scale. So to that extent, I kind of need to be, if that makes sense, you know, 
um, I, as long as I'm trending in the right direction, I'm not like, I need to hit this quota by this date. It's like, hey, I just want to grow. Kind of same thing with we were talking about with the gym is it's going to take a while. But if I stay consistent and I, I think I've got one of those, for whatever reason, these goofy personalities that people seem to gravitate towards to and glom onto, And I, I think I can make something with it. So I want to use that to affect positive change in people's lives so i do want a big platform you know but i don't have that energy like we should just keep circling back to the to the wonderful theme here energy gives energy you have all these people to put on a podcast and talk to those are the people that you befriended at that camp like you said there's hundreds of people yeah how have you met all of these fantastic awesome people that you want to you know bring on and talk to for an hour yeah and it's so weird because it took me forever to finally do my I did my first stand-up set this past April and it took me for I I knew from the moment I like had breath and had my first conscious thought that that's what I was born to do and And I can see it everything about you when you put on that that's what you're doing I was like that man has figured it out you belong there (laughs) yeah so uh, it's just I did my first set and I did it at the Laughing Skull, which is a pretty iconic um, comedy club in the country. Um, definitely probably one or two in terms of Atlanta-based comedy clubs. And at a moment when I was just dialed into my set, it was four minutes. Halfway through, there were about 40, 50 people that it could seat in the club, and I had 20 people there. And about halfway through, it just got so slow for me, and I equate it to... <laughs> Um, like when King Leonidas is about to kick in the Persian messenger in 300, spoiler alerts, by the way. And um, <laughs> he just turns to the queen and everything around him is happening so fast, but he's in such a zone and so much control that it's so slow for him. And I saw everybody laughing so fast, but the moment was so slow for me. And I was just like, I, I don't care what it takes, but I, I will die like as a stand-up comedian and that's what that i want makes to do me, so that makes my heart literally so warm to see you like just just doing something you love and that moment is whew, that slow-mo moment where everything else is kind of oh my god what a feeling it is and it was just it was like maybe one or two or three times in my life i can ever remember being in this zone and you're literally able to almost have an out-of-body experience where you can remove yourself and watch yourself at the same time. And it's just kind of like, yeah, you're, you're locked in. You're doing doing the thing. Yeah. And um, now I'm just, I'm kind of just anxious to get my first uh, bomb set out of the way, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that'll, I'll be, you can send me a message. We live far away from each other, but I'll raise a glass to you on that day. I'll be there for you. <laughs> yeah, you'll be one of the first I message and be like, whoo, that was a learning experience. That was humbling. Been there, man. I mean, not, nothing. I've never done anything like stand-up that I can't even imagine putting myself out there talking like that. But but teaching classes is kind of that same vibe of like you're up there in front of a <laughs> Let me tell you that first class you have where yeah. no one wants to participate. Woo-wee. You just want to crawl in a hole and be like, goodbye forever, everyone. It was fun. Man, yeah, I, I, I've been there and uh, I got to think almost at every point in time, every camp counselor was in a class or something like that where they're just trying to be high energy and stuff like that. And the kids are like, we're having none of this, my friend. It's a hard pass on everything you're dishing out right now. We want this to be over. So stop trying. This is three minutes minutes into a 50-minute class. And that's why you'll be fine. You'll be fine. The day that bomb comes, if you can take a room full of kids just dead staring at you, adults. Yeah. And unfortunately, um. So Conor McGregor is one of my like all-time favorite UFC fighters. Love him, love him, love him. And I'll, I'll, I'll send when I send people some inspirational quotes from him. I, I think it's kind of like, huh, I didn't know that about you. But he had this one quote that um, um, failure is a key ingredient to success. And I started thinking about that. And unfortunately, 
like those bad sets are going to be a prerequisite for me wanting to get to a bigger audience and stuff like that. And that's what I think all comedians hate is we want to go out and be funny every single time. But when you're testing new material, you do have to test it out and you have to test it out on an audience and you hate it because they're coming out to pay. And it's like, Hey, sorry, I wasted y'all's time, but like, I, I think I do have something there. I just got to tweak it, you know? And I mean, that's great that you have that outlook so early on and in getting into this stuff. I just saw uh, the last comedian I saw, I saw Tom Segura maybe in March. Hilarious. He's One of my so good. comedians. But he's even up there testing out material, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I um, know his uh, wife was doing the same and his wife just ended up bringing up a notebook on stage and it's it's so refreshing like sometimes, man. You're, you're one of the funniest guys out there it's hugely successful podcasts netflix specials sometimes you're just a little dead in the water and you just move on to the next one yeah and that's the thing is i think you and i are generally upbeat and positive people but it's it's impossible for us to be on all the time you know it's we're gonna have off days because unfortunately maybe not you because you seem like a superhuman but i i am human i am mortal you you seem to be defying some of that stuff Ooh, don't gas me up too hard out here to everybody okay trying to post out there on the gram <laughs> <laughs> oh man but yeah it's um it's been fun but the again that first set where i just stopped in the middle not stopped but i was kind of in the zone and i was like man, this is all I want to do is just make people happy and bring them together. And you get to, because a lot of my bits are about like funny interactions I've had at the gym, funny camp stuff, and just like other times I've worked with kids. So it's pretty unique. My first stand-up special or set, I haven't had a special yet. Um, we're, we're, we're building that. My first stand-up set, which I'll end up sending you later on, it was about how I got emasculated in my first or second ever Zumba class <laughs> who I developed well, a slight crush on <laughs> yeah developed a slight crush on and then she just humiliated me in front of everybody and I was like well okay oh I love that for you that's funny that's great I but, but that's where you get humor from is those like defeated moments you know it's that's funny watching someone face plant funny every time yeah, and my second set, I was a little nervous because um, the guy in front of me, oh, bless his heart, it, 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 it was a hurt locker. It was just one bomb after another after another, and nobody had figured out how to get those wires in the right place. And so then the crowd is uh, just kind of down, and the segue into, like, the meaty part of my bit was about, like, cleaning and stuff at camp, which I'll send you that one, too was about me and my military buddy having a conversation when we were in our younger 20s about career paths. And um, so he bombed, so I had to get the crowd back up. And there was this guy in the front row and his buddy, his buddy looked like he could have been a Rangeley camper. And the guy had just had a mustache because he had Top Gun. And I just immediately on the spot um, threw away my first minute of the bit. I was like, yeah, I was going to come out here and talk about the military, but I wasn't expecting to see Maverick in the front row. And then I um, ended up saying, yeah, I was a camp counselor and went into that. And then I looked at it and I was like, what's it? What's cool is one of my former campers came out and the kid was both of them were just such good sports. So see, but that that's what's going to make you great is like that on the fly. You didn't stick to your paper nervously sitting there reading, shaking like this. You you read the room. You saw an opportunity. Um, and, and that just, again, I can't say it enough. Like, you're just, you're goofy fun energy of, like, inclusive and, like, you're just fun to be around. And that's going to take you a long way in anything with comedy. I, I appreciate it. I For a while, man, I, I just thought there was something in the water and I thought, I almost thought I was in like a different version of the Truman show where people were just pretending to be nice to me. And then after a while, it's like, Oh no, people seem to seem to enjoy hanging out with me. So I, I guess there's bad water everywhere. You know, we've got a real problem. Monster on syndrome for being a nice guy. Sheesh. Oh my gosh. I, 
I suffer from it so badly, but it's at the same time, I think sometimes it's right to apply it because it'll help keep me grounded. And like when I do get love and admiration, like you just gave me, it really, it really just crystallizes what I'm doing. And it just makes me want to work that much harder and get up and earn that compliment from somebody I value and respect like yourself. It's, um, it's funny to hear, you know, like the value, respect, opinion, like, cause I too have the imposter syndrome. Um, yeah. You know, you give me all these compliments, oh, you're, you're this athlete and, and you put all this stuff out there. And, you know, it's just wild to hear like positive feedback from people that you don't realize that you're reaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's going to be a big thing that you get from doing this kind of podcast and having these kind of conversations because because this really is like very off the cuff like I don't I'm just you know I didn't do any preparation I, I did one preparation I've got my quote ready for the end but um, you know it's I was just excited to talk to a friend that I haven't talked to in a while and um, and I think a lot of people are going to really enjoy just that that nice, easy vibe. You feel like you're just hanging out with some friends. Yeah. And those are the podcasts I gravitate towards to the most. And I talk about a wide range of stuff. A few, um, I I call my episodes, uh, by the way, because the first podcast I was ever on was my coworkers and um, him and his buddy from high school just review SpongeBob episodes. Love that. His name is Jeb. So I'm always big about like paying gratitude and being grateful and honoring like gifts and tokens of appreciation. And so I was like, no, everybody calls there's an episode. Nobody calls it a Jep episode. So because Jep was my first entry into the podcast world, I'm going to honor him by calling them Jep episodes. Oh, that's cute. I was wondering why they were Jep episodes because you were sending the message and I was like, yeah, I'm sure I'll figure it out eventually. Yeah, you were probably like, is he having a seizure or is this some weird autocorrect? I, I, I was like, it's not a play on his name. Maybe there's like an old story or a joke or a nickname I don't know about. I'm sure I'll get there eventually. Thank God he's a comms major because English just was not cutting it. <laughs> no, it's actually uh, it's actually quite intentional. And yeah, I, I just want to, again, make people happy and reach out to them. And, you know, everyone goes through it you know you were just mentioning imposter syndrome and I one of my episodes ago was with my buddy from work Andrew Berger and here you have like this big muscular guy with like just a long beard looked like he could just live out in the woods and sustain himself by himself and be alone and he just comes on the podcast and he just starts opening up about like the struggles he's going through with his mental health and I had a few like male coworkers who I greatly admire and consider them, you know, manly men just come up to me in tears. And they're like, dude, like what you're doing right now, like you you need to keep on doing that because not enough people are doing that, especially someone as like charismatic as me, I guess you can say that without trying to be cocky, but I mean, they were, they were um, like, they were staggered to hear, they were confused to hear that I I, I go to therapy weekly, you know, it's one of the things that I, I consider an almost must for me. That's, that's a huge thing that I focus on trying to post a lot too, is like the mental health of it all. Um, you'll, you'd probably get the same being, you know, the charismatic bubbly person that you are, you know, oh, it's easy for you or, oh, that comes naturally for you. Well, like it doesn't though. Like there, there's effort put behind the energy that you're putting out. Like it's not just you're waking up and doing these things automatically. You're consciously thinking of, okay, well, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z because it's going to do this. And, and sometimes it really does suck, you know, Yeah. to yeah. go talk about the gym. Cause that's something that I have, you know, a lot to say, about, <laughs> obviously. Yeah. Um, oh, well, you're athletic. It's easy for you. It is not. I did not want to go to the gym today. I did not want to do jujitsu today, but I chugged an energy drink and I went anyways. Yeah. And that's one thing I I told a guy um, at the gym one time when about two years back, I was probably in the best shape of my life. And he gave me the, oh, it must be easy for you. I was like, hey, man, with all due respect, let me tell you something. It is not easy waking up at 4.15 Monday through Saturday. It is not easy. It's sticking to a anywhere from a 
1,300 to 1,700 calorie diet a day. You know, it is not easy when my friends go out, I order a water and a salad with no dressing or a dressing that I don't like because it's lower calorie. I'm like, these are conscious choices I'm making and it, it, it's not easy. Was I born with unnecessary rugged handsomeness? Yes, all right? I'm not gonna apologize for that. I'm, I'm not gonna apologize for that. But the body, I, I'm constantly working at. <laughs> the Lord blessed me with this face, but the body, that's me. That's, that's all me. me. That's me. I earn it. I earn it every day. <laughs> um, but yeah, like the, the mental health aspect of that, you know, it's it's grueling. It's tough. It's tough to, to, to keep being that positive person or staying motivated with the gym. There are days where, you know, you look in the mirror and you just, you want to just cry about it. You look at yourself and you're like, why are we doing this? We could just stay in bed. Yes. So let me ask you something then. Do you feel like part of the reason you maybe love the desk job so much is it kind of gives you a break and a pause to where you don't necessarily have to be on in that type of fashion like you would with clients? 100%. Yeah. I've thought about it because I still obviously have a lot of close people in the gym industry who are still training full time. And you, you usually work split shifts. You'll have early morning, you'll have your midday afternoon off, and then you'll come back in. Um, that shit is exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> it is mentally exhausting. Um, it's awesome to go in at seven and know I will be done at three thirty. Yeah. And I'm patient facing. I work at a doctor's office. I do um, reception and and I do insurance stuff and stuff like that. So like it's it's pretty menial tasks. Like yeah, I'm thinking, but I'm not. It's not the same as interacting with a person and you know having to come up with okay, well they're struggling through this exercise. So going back into my program, we're not going to be doing this and this now. We're going to switch it to this and that. Like I'm not. I'm not really critically thinking through too much throughout the day. So when I get to leave work at three 30, I have so much energy. Mm-hmm. I'm ready to go work out. I'm ready to go do stuff with my friends. And, and it's, it's been, that's what I love about it. Um, I mean, my coworkers are great, which is just, I'm so fortunate. So many people work in crappy offices, but yeah, uh, 110% it is brain off time that I don't have to be on. I don't have to be like really focused on what I'm doing. Yeah. So my day job, I uh, work for this great company and they've taken such great care of me. Um, I do custodial and food and beverage services for them. And uh, like a lot of people at work are trying to, they're like trying to get me to apply for different roles and stuff within the company. And one, like I'm, I'm taken care of very well from like a compensation standpoint, our healthcare benefits are second to none and they're free, all of them. And I've got pretty good, um, we've got pretty good equity options. And I think you just hit the nail on the head for me is I've got so much other stuff going on that, and there, there's no shame to like anything like custodial fruit and beverage, like that, no shame to that, but I need something so mindless that I can just autopilot through and not anything serious is at stake because I'm so focused on, Hey, I've got to get my next podcast guest. I've got to be writing 30 minutes every day. I'm trying to trying to get into hunting so I can provide food for myself and know where it's coming from and then eventually start getting that food into hands of people of need. Hold your horses there. Your last topic there. What? That's amazing that you're thinking of doing like the the, the resource management on that is wild. That's crazy, dude. Of course, of course you want to do something that fantastic because you're just such a good person. Not surprised. Yeah. So I, before the pandemic, I wanted to start getting into hunting because I wanted to know where my food was coming from. And I wanted to eventually like grow my own like vegetables and fruit. But I was like, like some of my friends started a gardening project during the pandemic and they're pretty successful at it. But even as successful as they are, they can only supplement some of their fruits and veggies. And I was like, I'd have to become a full-time farmer to do that. So F, F that, you know, I'll, I'll just go to a farmer's market or something. Like if you get deer or elk or, or some big animal, you're set up for a while. So I wanted to know where my food was coming from and I wanted to be a provider. And then also I'm not big on 
complaining about something or saying there's a problem and not having a solution, no matter how BS the solution is, you still have to offer something up. So just especially when the water crisis in Flint, Michigan was going on, it's just like, all right, I, th I think I'm foolish to really expect a miracle to happen for this, you know, United States government to get on the same page and do what's right for the actual citizens. So like I wanted to start hunting to provide for my family, but most importantly, just get it into hands of people who Neither. really don't know where their next meal is coming from. Cause that's how I grew up. I, I, I was always con uh, always aware and worried about where my next meal was coming from. So I don't want children or women, especially to experience that. That's just such a, I mean, at the, the core of like human being to, to, to really go full circle to what we started talking about, to just want to care and help other people. Uh, that's just, it's wild that you're really finding ways that you can do that for people. And, and you looked at that terrible crisis and you went, I can at least help a little bit. And if everybody can help a little bit. Yeah. So now I'm just trying to get that going. And again, with stand up and podcasting, it's when I was younger and you're still learning about life and going through experiences, I thought I just wanted all this fame and notoriety and stuff like that. And I, I mean, I, I do want that. I love being in the spotlight and the limelight. I won't deny it. But now I want to do that so I can generate revenue and money and just get it into the hands of people in need who didn't get a fair start in life because that's what I had. And I got so lucky that I fell into the right group of people to help me out along the way. And at night, I'll just be racking my brain with like, how many Bobo Lepressis are out there that didn't fall into the right group of people that are just that, that, that are just looking for one shot, you know, just one opportunity. I hear you. Where I grew up, I grew up, I was very lucky. I had a family that loved me and they really supported me through things, but I grew up in a very poor area, uh, like the southern tier of New York. It's just rough. It's a lot of, you know, farming and we all know what the economy's up to. <laughs> it's yeah. not great. Uh, so I know a lot of people who, like I said, I can't say enough of how lucky I am. I got into the college I wanted to go to. I got to study what I wanted to study. I moved to the city, you know, the big city of Buffalo, but you know, the, the places of opportunity and, and how many people I know that are just, you know, stuck. You know, I knew kids growing up that had one pair of clothes. They wore that same shirt every day, you know, the free and reduced lunches. And, and so that, that's something that really does like strike a chord with me too. Like I know a lot, a lot of people, you know, who did not have those opportunities, which is something that I, you know, with my own little expertise and things that I know and love is what I like to try to bring fitness and stuff to people because you can be healthy with not that many resources. You yeah. don't have to have a big fancy gym and all these things to, to find something that you enjoy to be healthy and move. Yeah. Um, and, and diet's a whole separate issue that, that it's such a multifaceted problem of where to get the food, if you're getting the food, the nutritious food, but, but at least you can, you can get activity. You can do something, you can get up and move. Um, yeah, Which, and weirdly enough, how I got involved with looking into working at summer camps, and then I wound up working at one of the most privileged summer camps, like, in the world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's what got me into looking to work at a place like that, was to, you know, help kids learn how to be kids, basically. Go do fun, go be fun. Yeah, and, you know, I think us coming from those backgrounds, because, of, of, like, I don't know if you know this, but around two and a half, three years old, my dad just walked out on our family and just left us. So at three years old, just got thrust into the role of man of the house and did a pretty, pretty shitty job of it for the first 30 years of my life. But like what I was talking to my therapist about and what I'm now finally starting to get a grasp on and understand is that I, I am loved and it's, it's not a mistake that so many people love me. Yeah. I, Try not to say that being cocky, but um, it's not cocky. It's not that's, cocky. That's where my imposter syndrome came from when all these people started liking me and adoring me, but 
you have one of the two people who are supposed to be there for you walk out and you, I thought I was damaged goods my whole life. And I was like, I, I've seen how this plays out. They'll, they'll, they'll figure out something and then they'll, they'll be out. So I really did a lot of self-destructive, um, self-fulfilling prophecies that uh, just damaged a lot of like really good, like dating relationships and in, in, in general, like the two ones I recently have just, um, I was going through so much shit that I didn't understand. And, um, you know, I, I've learned and I've, I've improved from each one, but now I'm starting to realize what, what was the cause of that. It's wild to think of these things that happen to us when we're so young, have these profound effects on us as adults. It's yeah. just bonkers to think about. Like, I just want to, just want a whole little Bobo. It's okay, buddy. You are worthy of love. Oh man, I, I appreciate that, you know, and um, that was one thing I did pre-K teaching for a few years. And um, that's one thing I was just hell bent on was demonstrating what I thought it meant to be a man. And um, one of the kids asked me one time because we were in story time and it mentioned something about someone crying and they were like, Mr. Nick, do you cry? And I was like, Mr. Nick cries a lot. And quite frankly, I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I, I cry because things are beautiful, because things are sad. I, I think it's okay. I don't think it's unmanly to cry. In fact, I, I think it's just the opposite. I think it shows you are a man that can be strong and be vulnerable with your emotions. I think it's important to experience every every spectrum of emotion, you know, with the <laughs> with the exception of hate, maybe. Um Sometimes um, it's important. Yeah, yeah, just to just to know what the other side is like. Sure, sure. But um, I said, you know, for me, what being a man is is I I like to do ballroom dancing. I want to learn how to bow hunt. I want to do Brazilian jiu jitsu. I love singing. I want to learn to play piano. I love wearing the color pink. I love blue. I love black. I love, you know, being a little old school sometimes and opening doors for ladies and just treating them like ladies and just showing them the effing respect they deserve every day every minute of every day you know and it's so wild that the the concept of masculinity is turned into such a weird thing where some of those things that you're saying are supposed to be dynamically not like you can't wear pink and you can't cry like why you're still like it's just so bananas like I don't, what does that have to do with anything? And you can wear pink and cry and do all these things and, and you're still a manly man. Yeah. And like it, I guess like the definition of what is like masculine and, and feminine is so weird. Uh, Cause I get, you know, called out like, oh, you're so manly all the time. I actually just had a wild thing happen to me at work. Yeah, uh, yeah. We had to get HR involved and everything. Oh boy. Uh, I overheard some male coworkers complaining about me and how I, uh, what, what, what did they say exactly? Uh, need to stop trying to pretend being a man and learn my role. I do. Is your, uh, is your office in the 1950s? <laughs> Dude, I like bonkers. But anyway, like I said, HR got involved. It's all taken care of. But um, it's just wild to me that there are these, these constructs of masculine and feminine because I still consider myself to be a very feminine person. You yeah. know, I, I, I love wearing dresses and I wear high heels to work every day. And I pride myself very much on my very feminine professional outfits. Um, you know, uh -huh. I, have, I have a polka dot heart shirt that I like to wear to work. I, I will say in their defense, the one time you slapped me across my face, I, I felt that was coming. I felt that was coming from a man. I was like, I, I have to get back. I'm, I'm in an engagement ring. I'm gonna defend your honor right now. Because I and the crazy thing was is people didn't know we were like joking about that all summer. I, I I kept like before I started dating Ozzy, I was just like kind of teasing and joking with you. I was like, hey, I, I'm I'm gonna like slap your legs, like like just slap your legs. And you're like, if you do that, there's going to be a slap across the face coming back. And I think one time I was just able to quick slap your legs and run off. And the last night I literally get back from a flight from Fort Lauderdale, 
go to Deck House, get a beer, and I'm about to like hug and kiss Ozzy. And you just come up in the dress, as you said, dress and heels, and just boom. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> and then we just start smiling, laughing, and everyone's like, what the hell's going on here? She just slapped you. That was the funniest thing because I didn't even think about other people. I was like, this is going to be hilarious. We were all thinking about me. There was no. Oh my God. It was silent. It's never quiet in that bar. It was silent. Yeah. I was just like, well, that, um, I thought I was going to get away with it that summer. And uh, <laughs> you got, you got it. You got it in. Oh, that's like such a funny memory. When you brought that up, I like, I had completely forgotten about it. Like totally was off my radar of, of memories. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, we, we've, we've had some good interactions and I, uh, I look forward to having many more with you over the years. So uh, yeah. uh, question, how far away is um, Buffalo from Philly? Do you know? Oh, not far, not too far. Um, I just took a trip to Pittsburgh not too long ago, and that was like, like four hours, and that's a direct, pretty much direct south. And how far is Philly from Pittsburgh? Obviously, you're on opposite sides, but if I, I can think this through. Um, I'll figure it out, but the reason I'm asking is because I told you about my podcast flag, right? Mm-hmm. So I, um, I'm from Philadelphia originally. So every winter for Christmas break, we'll go up to Philly. So I want to try and make it a point to get up and see you if our uh, schedules can link up so you can put your handprint on the flag. And sign I can be included. The hand that slapped Bobo Lepressi. There you go. There you go. Excellent. Yeah. I, um, like a few of our camp friends, like they're international. So I've got to like really plan this out. And it's just like, <laughs> oh my God, this is going to be a $3,000 handprint. There's no way around it. <laughs> you could do like the clay handprint and have them mail it, ship it. And then you can paint the print in. Mm, interesting. That's a good idea. Yeah, because I've thought about it and it's starting to mean so much to me because people are taking time out of their day and like eventually I hope to where I can get a big enough platform to where I can just do something for them, like really help promote them or get them paid or something somehow. But right now I'm just relying on the generosity people and I wanted to make it a unique experience. And so I was like, I'm going to get some flags and put, have them put their handprint on it when it dries, sign their name and episode number. So when I eventually do get into a studio, that's going to be a background. So when I am, on in a studio and I'm streaming it on YouTube or whatever, people can be like, man, I'm, I'm one of those handprints or man, I, I want to become one of those handprints. So oh, that's the cutest thing. Yeah. So when, I, when you are in a studio, wherever you get this studio, I will be traveling to you. That yeah. would be that like, yeah, it mostly just brings me joy to see like achieving the things that you want because I can tell how much you like love this and how much it means to you and everything and it's just it, I love to I'm so happy to be able to be a part of this and like to be someone that you thought would be like oh you're interesting yeah absolutely I love it so much and I, and I just want to hear people's stories so that's why in the episode in the episode description I'll put my lapressing guest at gmail.com and just uh, hopefully people can start reaching out to me and just be like, Hey, I've got this cool story. And then I can call or reach out to them, talk to them a little bit, just to make sure you know, like, I don't want any fucking grifters on this show, you know, you know, no, then- no, but like just a patchwork of, of interesting people. And, and, you know, working at the camp, you have a really awesome network of people and, and, you know, there's people that I know that are really interesting that I can, you know, recommend to come talk on this. And, please, please. And, and, and that type of thing. Like, you, you never know who you're going to meet, how you're going to meet them. Um, there's so many interesting people out there. Yeah, I just want to hear stories. Like, my first Everage episode, it was about video games. I've had, uh, like, some about cars. Um, this one girl, Jessica, um, came on. She's a co-worker. And I asked her what she wanted to talk about. And she's like, I want to talk about, she's like, I think it would be really good for me to talk about grief and how you get over that. And it's like, whew, okay. And then she she just starts opening up about how she, sorry, bring bring me back, um, how she lost her dad a a few years back. And um, 
God, we just really don't know when this time's going to run out. And it's so, it's so precious. And if we, I'm, I'm just hell bent on making sure I take advantage of it and then making sure everybody takes advantage of it because we're, we're losing people way too young, you know? It's just, and, and the good ones, no matter how old they are, it's always going to be too young, you know? Any, any person, any life put out, you know, is, is a life put out too soon. You live to be a hundred years old. There are still people mourning, grieving. There's a loss. A loss is a loss. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, I think what I'm able to do with this podcast is you get these different walks of people. And I've had friends comment to me. They're like, you know, when I read the episode description, I was like, this is not going to interest me, but I support you. So I'm going to listen to you. And they're like, like, it's just helping me relate. Like, I didn't know a video gamer could be so relatable to me because Rachel, we're all just going through this human experience, this weird thing where we're just floating on this sphere in this big black sky that nobody, we've got some ideas of how we got there, but they're, they're, they're just ideas. We're just tossing them around. And it's like, what, what the hell is actually going on? We're just meat with electric through it connected to a bunch of bones. Yeah. Yeah, well, any any friends or people you have um, that you want to send my way, just tell them to, you know, reach out to me via DMs. I'll leave my email in the podcast episode description. But um, I, I gave you a little bit of a homework assignment, right? I told you yes, how I like to end. Uh, I like yes, to end. sir. I just want to have conversations and then just end it with, like, a funny, goofy, happy, uplifting, inspiring, like, call to action, whatever the guest wants it to be kind of quote. So what do you, uh, what do you have prepared for us today? I lamented over what to choose. I, I looked up so many things. I researched historical figures, trying to figure out what I wanted my quote to be. Yeah. Can be anything. I settled on do or do not. There is no try. There it is. I love it so much. A good solid Yoda quote. It's just perfect. It's a perfect quote. It is, it's 100% the way I have attacked life and done things. You're not trying to do anything. You're either going to do it or you're not going to do it. Absolutely. I love that. And uh, Rachel, I hope this was just the first of many episodes that you come on for La Presson Guest. And I, uh, I'm going to stay in touch with you. I'm going to be following you, cheering you on, rooting for you. I'm in your corner. So you know I mean, I mean, we hey, maybe met. one day you'll really be in my corner. Yeah, yeah. Maybe one day we'll get in the cage. I, I would love to. I will. I would love to. I mean, we met with you, you crying on the mail deck, and our friendships come along. <laughs> like it survived an epic slap that I, I, I wouldn't want to face you in the corner. In the- <laughs> it has been an absolute pleasure. Anytime, anytime you need some, just some interesting bullshit to talk about, I am one hundred percent here for it. Hey, no doubt like Gwen Stefani. Love you, all right? <laughs> Love you, man. All Thanks right, have a good one. Go get some sleep, okay? Bye.